I'm Mary Dunford from Prairie High School, and you're listening to the Full Circle Podcast with 360 Preps. This is the Full Circle Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Hart. I am here with Preps reporter Meg Wachnick. On today's episode, we're going to talk about some of the bigger surprises that we've seen so far in the basketball season. We're also going to take a look forward to some of the teams we're interested to see how they fare in the postseason. Later on in the podcast, we'll have interviews with both Brett Henry, the Evergreen Boys basketball coach, and Zyel Griffin, a member of that boys basketball team, but also uh, a football player who recently signed his letter of intent with UNLV. So that's what's on tap for episode 24 of the Full Circle Podcast. Well, Meg, signing day is Wednesday. This podcast will have come out after a lot of our athletes have signed in the morning of Wednesday. What about signing day do you like? You've covered it for what, 11 years now? Uh, 13. 13 Thank years. you. Thank you. Um, what do I like about it? The thing I like about it most is not only do a lot of journalists like you and myself get up at the earliest crack of dawn with the birds. Thanks, Skyview. Um, but I think just the celebration of these athletes achieving their goal. We talk about it all the time. Coach speak, whatever you want to say about... We want to play Division One football. We want to play at the highest level football we can. And for many of these kids, they achieve that dream. Now, whether it's Division One, UNLV, like Zyle Griffin signed for football, or maybe even the JUCO level, or even getting the preferred walk-on level. We're, we're starting to see that in the last eight or 10 years or so, kids really turning down maybe some lower level teams and trying their luck um, with some Pac-12 schools, such as Tristan Souza at Camus, getting a preferred walk-on with Washington State. Just seeing that celebration and the emotion of these kids achieving their dream, that's what makes it special for me. Yeah, I would agree. And I think it really comes, the signing day itself, I will say, always seems a little pomp and circumstance. Like it's a, it's a big it's a big deal and there's a lot of, uh, you know, fanfare about it. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the commitment, the, the when they commit to a school and they finally get to realize that dream, you know, and sometimes it's, it's weeks before they sign, sometimes it's longer before they officially sign. But when they make that commitment, and they say, wow, I get to play at the next level. You, you hear it um, you know, on an interview later with Zyel about it's, it's really real. It, it, it's a dream a lot of these kids have from, from young children, get to, to, to play under the lights of a football stadium at the next level. And when they make that commitment, you know, I think it's a really special moment to, to see kind of all their sporting endeavor and all the hard work and the passion that went into it finally come true. So I would say signing day for me, I don't like waking up early. I I don't like the all the the you know very formalness of it. Signing <laughs> these papers, a lot of them have already sent off their letters in the morning, and they're just signing, you know, copies of that paper. But I like the commitment and the essence behind it um, of signing day. You know, so many of these kids too. They they get to this point, kind of the dream, and and getting to this journey, and it's a hard decision for for kids to make. I 
I had a chance to to do Division One track and field right out of high school in 2003, but I knew I didn't have a future in track and field after the age of 22, and so I took that into consideration, and I chose a Division Three school. And I think a, a lot of kids these days get hyped up in trying to play the highest level they can, but so there's so many great sports and talents at the the one uh, AA level, the Division Two level, the Division Three NAI and, and JUCO, and so forth. And um, it's great to see so many kids understanding that late in the recruiting process and having that realistic expectation of, okay, I'm not going to get that Division One football, but where can I go and make an impact? Right. Only, what, 1% or something of college football players, or 2%, make it to the NFL. Mm-hmm. So understanding that and realis- realistically saying, what do I want to do with the rest of my life and how can college help me go forward with that? And right. then finding the best location to go do that. Coaches matter a lot. Teammates matter a lot. Relationships matter yeah. a lot, yes. And, and you have to think about, too, that most people kind of bed down after wherever they go to college. So mm-hmm. that could also be a city you have to envision seeing yourself in for many years to come. Yes, I mean, it's a five-year commitment when you're, if we're talking football and you're taking that redshirt year, it's five years of your life. Wherever you commit, you're going to have to live there for five years. Right. Remember that. Right. So, um, yeah, so signing day is big. We got a ton of local signings um, from, from the D1 level like Zyel to, uh, you know, the NAIA or JUCO level there's there's a lot of athletes that have have found that next step so it's exciting for them but let's get into some basketball uh you know it's almost playoff time what's been the biggest surprise for you this basketball season okay first of all you had me at almost playoff time how, how did we get here already it's been quick, I, huh? you know it was just new year's right and and then it was just labor day right like and then it was just memorial day before that like <laughs> Where has time gone? Winter season is the longest oh, of all goodness. the sporting seasons because of the holiday break, right. but it always feels the quickest. It is. So what was your question? What's the biggest surprise? <laughs> biggest surprise, yeah. For you this basketball season? Biggest surprise. Uh, team-wise, I'm going to start with uh, LeCenter Girls basketball out on the 1A Trico League. This team entering this week was undefeated atop the league standings 8-0. and Officially has shared at least a clinch of the league title. Uh, can win it outright these next two games this week. And this is a, a young, young LeCenter team. you got to remember before last year, they won three consecutive league and district titles at 1A with a very veteran savvy senior heavy group this year there's two freshmen that start for the center and a sophomore kylie stevens who's leading their team and not only points and assists this team has come a long ways from starting one and five and a lot of that is that tough non-league schedule they had but here are the wildcats undefeated in league with two games to go in the regular season that is my surprise team right i think we talked about it a couple podcasts ago about what a great job herman's done with that group but uh, you know, to see them start kind of slow and, and ha- struggle at first and then to really start to figure it out when they got some confidence in that Evergreen Girls tournament mm-hmm. and then to go on that run has is, is just been mighty impressive. Uh, the team, though, that I'm most surprised by, and I've talked about them a lot this season, is the Prairie Girls. I will be honest, I didn't think the Prairie Girls, uh, you know, had what they're doing in them. I predicted them to still win a league title after winning it 22 straight years. You kind of have to predict them to win it again. But I figured they'd be more tested than they have been in league Mm -hmm. play. And yet they just continue to get better and better. And it just feels like 
maybe all three of those teams in that 3A GSHL, Kelso and Hudson's Bay among them, were maybe equal at the start of the year, but it seems like Prairie has just grown leaps and bounds quicker than the rest, and that's, I think, a testament to how hard that group works. I'm just shocked by what they've done, and, and now I think they're they're a contender to make a, a run in postseason with, with that group, and you know who would have thought that at the beginning of the year? You're right. Uh, the last ten days to two weeks have really uh, impressed me about Prairie. I was at their home game when they beat Kelso by 30, and this was a Kelso team that started the game on on a 12 to two scoring run. Natalie Fraley had eight of those 12 points, as well as three assists. Those two and a half, three minutes, I thought, oh man, is, is Kelso going to run Prairie out of the gym? And all of a sudden, this light switched. Prairie end of the end of the first half on a thirty to five scoring run, a tremendous defensive effort, especially in the half court game. And I was thinking, oh my God, to win by thirty against a very talented Kelso team on Prairie's home floor, they're really doing it defensively, and that's what's impressed me right. most about the Falcons. Right, and it's it's a different team than in past years, and all the girls have said it. We had Mary on the podcast a couple weeks ago talking about it. Is is this team is not loaded with D1 talent, but mm-hmm. they're they're finding a way and they're figuring things out, and that's been really cool to see a group like that to to succeed so so much this season. Um, the the one thing I think that has surprised us all, and this is no one team in particular, but what is going on in the two A Greater St. Helens boys? I why did you bring this up? Because I I have not been able to wrap my head outside of Columbia River, which is on its way to winning a, another league championship and undefeated as well. I, I I can't. I mean, there's six other teams in this league, and I have no idea what on earth is happening. Yeah. It, a, every every game there's there's an upset that we didn't expect. There's a some some games that go this shouldn't be a very close game and it turns out to be uh, a tremendous tremendous finish there's teams that we thought would finish dead last who are all of a sudden one or two games away from clinching a playoff spot right. I mean I, it, I, this I, is this is a league that's upside down you think about outside of Columbia River which David Long has kept that group atop the league despite you know some some key graduates but the rest of the league, it's topsy-turvy. Mark Morris is currently scheduled to, you know, out, out of the playoffs. And, and R.A. Long is, is third, third, I think, last time I checked. Mm-hmm. Like, when has that happened? Ridgefield, you know, near the bottom. Like, that, that was not the conventional wisdom going into the season with how much talent Ridgefield had. Like, this league is just wild this year. I think the first half, everything pretty much kind of played how how we saw it maybe there were one or two teams that were maybe we figured out ah, would kind of figure themselves out in the second half it hasn't happened yet right. and, and here we are the, the regular season's winding down there's two more games left and you look at that what three through seven spots and everyone's still alive no yeah. one is eliminated yet and to be honest i wouldn't want to face some of those teams um in the postseason like ridgefield or mark morris if if you draw them it's mm-hmm. kind of like the the hawkinson team last year when they got brammer back right it was like i don't want to draw them in the playoffs and you know if you put a buffum uh, jason buffum or a bill backamus led squad in the playoffs if they can make it in there i wouldn't want to face them I think, for me, I still think the most dangerous team is, is Washougal. I know they've taken a couple lumps here the past few games, but with that size and in the interior, um, they have some good guards. That might be a dangerous team once they get things back on track. Right. It's wild. It is just a wild league. Um, talking about the postseason, though, who are the teams that you are most interested in seeing how they fare in the postseason, whether it be unsure or you're just excited to watch them? 
plenty. And this goes to the Evergreen Plainsman. I think there's plenty of room on the bandwagon if, if folks listening want to jump on it because I'm very impressed with what Coach Brett Henry has done and we'll hear from him later on in this podcast. They were as high as third in the RPI. They're now down to number five in Class 3A. And if everything plays out, they get a number one seed in the bi-district tournament, so they get that first round bye. If they win, they're in regionals. Right. And, and this it, is a big deal for this with program. where the RPI is, they're likely straight to the dome. Yes. They'll, the they'll, t- play, they'll at least clinch a dome spot. They're first since 2006. Yes, you got to remember... Uh, ratings one through eight you're automatically in the in the Tacoma Dome and you'll play a regional round game basically for seeding for that uh, whether or not you play the first day or the quarterfinal game but I'm impressed they are what 17 and 2 yep 17 and 2 with one regular season game to go already clinched a league title this is a, a fun team an exciting team to watch you've seen them I've seen them they might be the real deal right and uh, this is a team you know we had entering the year as a team with a ton of talent mm-hmm. but could they figure it out? I asked Brett Henry if that critique was fair or not, if, if we judged them correctly at the beginning of the season. He said, fair or not, we appreciated it. It put us, <laughs> gave us a little chip on our shoulder. And, man, that team has just really gelled. And, and there's there's six deep and, and really, really, you know, a talented six, you know, the first off the bench being Isaac Romero. And, yeah, they're, they're a good team. I'm interested to see how they do in that bi-district tournament that history has said, GSHL hasn't fared that well, but the last two years have seen a GSHL winner of that thing. They has, and you got to remember, Prairie and Kelso played for the bi-district championship last year, the all-GSHL uh, 3A show up in Puyallup. Right. But, you know, the fact that, that Evergreen's all kind of new to this, you know, that, that might go in their favor. They don't know what to expect. We don't know what to expect. So just because history is not on their side doesn't mean they can't make magic happen in the bi-districts. Exactly. So that's certainly one team. The team I'm kind of interested in, in seeing how they fare in the postseason is the Union Boys. Mm-hmm. This is a team that that's really just rolled through everybody until that one point win against Battleground, where they lost Brad Lackey as well to a knee injury. Uh, I don't know where this team is at going forward. I, they, they still have a ton of talent. They're mm-hmm. they're so deep. They they run. They they're able to run the court. They still have a ton of shooters. But how that changes their dynamic, I'm really interested to see, especially early on in the postseason, how they handle some of that the other teams and how they kind of overcome that injury. Well, they definitely have enough guards, and I think <laughs> you you slide maybe like a Caden Horn into that into that spot. I know he's a tremendous shooter, but you kind of move some pieces around. Um, where they miss Brad, I think, will be in that leadership spot. Um, talking with Blake Connolly right after the game uh, last week when it happened, you know, he he categorized him as kind of that ultimate titan. Mm-hmm. You know, he grew up in the program, he's familiar with it, and and I think the leadership on the floor, that poise um, on the floor, will will be missed. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're right, I agree with you. I don't I don't know where Union goes from here. They beat Heritage handily. I believe they scored 98 points, uh, which was their their game following that battleground. Uh, victory when when Lackey went down, but they've got a couple of games to figure it out, uh, including Skyview to end the regular right. season. And let's not forget, it's not been that long since a local team lost one of its key players and went on to win a championship either. Uh, let's see, Camus. Uh, I think it was yeah, Camus yeah, football. Yeah, okay. so. yeah, that Although about I don't right. know if Union would like us talking about Camus during their little segment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, sticking in the 4A GSHL, I'm interested to see how the 4A GSHL girls fare in the postseason. Skyview girls uh, have won that league title, mm-hmm. and I'm interested to see how all three of those teams 
you know get by in the postseason because i think they're all talented enough to reach the dome where where the where that might break or might fall uh really kind of depends on the matchups in the postseason i agree and you got to remember there's three berths out of the 4a greater st helens league of the by districts that third seed unfortunately gets a pigtail game right. that is a brutal draw for the opponents of right. either camas or union right. one of those teams is going to be the three seed one will be the two right and if you dig further into that bracket if you win the pigtail game and you win your first round matchup and the gshl one seed also wins their first round matchup mm-hmm. you meet in the second round that's usually how it plays <laughs> out because i think secretly somehow uh the gods that be that create the bracket somehow want to have the, the vancouver area teams play each other to knock each other out right. i seriously think that's what they do right so that's kind of intriguing and then the other girls team i'm really excited to see in the postseason is the washugo girls mm-hmm. another team that gets it done on defense gets after it and this is a team i don't think we pegged for a deep postseason run at the beginning of this year but man they're sure playing like a a title contender what's crazy is they have an higher rpi now than when they did last year when they ran the table and and ended up beating uh wf west for the district championship with beyonce b who's having a heck of a freshman season at idaho this team is so balanced and and i know sports editor micah rice was at woodland to watch that big showdown last thursday and that defensive performance that washugal put on 75 31 allowing just eight first half points by woodland I think this defense might be for real too right and defense is going to keep you in games mm-hmm. and if you can hit some shots you know you're going to end up on the on the winner of a lot of these things you know they lost to wf west early on in the season by what like 35 points or something and now this is a team if they met again in the district in the district uh tournament mm-hmm. i doubt it'll go let go that the same <laughs> Now we're going to jump into an interview with Evergreen Boys basketball coach Brett Henry and what he thinks of the 17-2 season and the run the Evergreen Boys are on. All right, I'm here at Evergreen High School with Evergreen boys basketball coach Brett Henry. He is a third-year coach of the Plainsmen, who are 17 and two and have claimed their first league title of the 3A Greater St. Helens League since 2011. Um, first off, just what's that? What's that experience been like to be part of this team, kind of making a, a new wave of Evergreen basketball? You guys have had success in the past, but to be part of that kind of second wave coming through here. Yeah, you know, I don't know much about the history. Um, I'm an outsider. I was always coaching in the Portland area. Uh, But it's exciting. I mean, we went from outside of the playoffs looking in last year to our position now so i'm just really excited for the for the guys um the 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 success of this group i think um has been interesting to watch you talked about kind of where they were at last year what do you think has been key to everything kind of clicking in this year and being you know 17 and 2 now fifth ranked in the rpi what's made this season successful well, I, I think just a year of growth. I mean, we have a, a bunch of seniors um, that were on that team last year. So those experiences of, of fighting for wins and uh, struggling at times when they were juniors, um, it just kind of happens when you stick with it and stay together. So I think that's the biggest thing. How, how have you guys as a program defined success? Is it the wins and losses? Is it the where you guys are ranked? How, do you, how have you defined success as a coach? Well, I think every year is a little bit different um the first year 
wins and losses for us was uh, attendance in class. Um, how are we performing in the classroom? We always felt like if we win in the classroom, we have a chance to win on the court. So we wanted to lay that groundwork first. Um, and then last year, there were a little more of the on-court expectations heading in because we felt like we had the talent. So um, I think that was more of a traditional wins and loss uh, measurement. But uh, this year heading in, we felt like it was about our composure. Um, so if we were well composed and we stayed together, the wins and losses would come. Mm -hmm. Has that been the biggest difference between last year's group and this year's group? It seems like as far as the guys go, they remain relatively the same, but you know, you're looking at an eight and 12 team last year and outside of the playoffs and now league champions. Yeah, no, I, I think it's just a year of maturity. I mean, I think most coaches would tell you they see a big jump from that junior to senior year and and to have um, you know 10 seniors um, seven of which are you know a big part of the rotation I think um, it's just a natural growth mm -hmm. Entering the year, the I guess the you know the media or, or people around the program thought of this team pretty highly. They said that's the most one of the most athletic. They have the potential to be super talented, but I think a lot of us, including myself, still picked the Prairies and Kelsos. Did you feel like that was a fair critique of your team entering the year? Fair or not fair, we appreciated it <laughs> um, because we use it as motivation all year. Um, for us, we turned it and said, okay, they think we're the most talented but clearly there's a piece missing um, for us to not be selected as as a preseason favorite so I, I was thankful um, I really didn't want you guys to pick us first um, because I, I knew we needed a little bit of a chip on our shoulder so um, you know all that stuff is noise in the end uh, and we knew internally that if we stayed together, we'd have a chance. Did that help manage the expectations of the guys not getting, you know, too big of heads entering the year? I think so. And I think when you're 8 and 12 the year before, there's no need to have a big head. Uh, you haven't proved anything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and me, you know, I'm only in my third year as a head varsity coach. Uh, so there was certainly no reason for me to believe that uh, we're going to be mm -hmm. one thing when we haven't proven it right. yet. You know, three years in now as a, as a winning, as a winning team here, what have you learned um, about being a, a varsity basketball coach in your first three years? It's a lot of work. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, thankfully, my past experiences, um, I coached for David Adelman at Lincoln in Portland. Um, he's now with the Denver Nuggets. Um, and then Dane Walker, um, both at Camby and Lakeridge High School. Uh, they gave me a lot of ownership um, from a young age. So I saw what it took. Um, granted, I didn't have to answer the calls or the emails that they did, uh, but I was a big part part of that day-to-day -day stuff so that was kind of the goal when I was a young coach was let me learn from a bunch of different people um, take my time so that by the time I have an opportunity it doesn't just knock me off my feet right it feels like this this team and, and really the school uh, athletics programs are, are starting to get a culture about them you look at what the team what the football team was able to accomplish this year under Christian Swain mm -hmm. what this team has been able to accomplish under you how would you define that culture that's building and what's the process been like to get the kids to start to believe in that culture? 
It's just little by little every day. Um, I think, you know, Coach Swain was a great hire and um, he's actually helping out with our C team. So uh, that was our goal from day one when when he joined was let's how can we work together? Uh, because I think our messages are very similar. Um, so he was able to build off of uh, some things that we had started in the last couple of years. And then by the time the football kids got to us, it was just, let's go to the next level now and just keep building and building. So to have that synergy and that, um, that unified approach to how we want to carry ourselves, I think is it's critical. And I think if you look at um, the successful programs around here, I think you'll probably see a lot of that synergy. It feels like your your guys have a lot of you have a lot of multi-sport athletes on mm -hmm. this team from Zyle Griffin whose first sport is football or Carter Monda whose first sport is baseball. Yeah. It seems like that has really contributed. How have you seen those guys use what they've learned in other sports on the basketball court? Well, number one, uh, I'm a big promoter of playing multi-sports. I, I don't think specialization is a good idea. Um, for some people, it makes sense, right? Um, a Caden Perry, for example, you know, probably doesn't need to be on the football field. He's He's got a meal ticket in basketball. But um, I think what it does is it allows you to see different movements and see different scenarios and be able to react quicker um, so that... Carter can see a baseball, the flight of a baseball, and it helps him better understand the flight of a rebound. Mm -hmm. um, Zael can see angles on the field that, um, you know, I think he can apply in the court mm -hmm. too. So I just think the more well-rounded you are and the more experiences you get, um, the better athlete you are. Mm -hmm. Has it been difficult with so many different athletes and, and guys like Mario Herring, Jaden Stanley, guys off the bench like Isaac Romero, has it been difficult trying to get them all to, to you know, kind of contribute to each other and not be upset if they have to come off the bench? You know, Isaac has had some huge games yeah. off the bench. Has that been a difficult process? Well, I think we set expectations early on um, before we ever played a game this year. I, I brought... Uh, the five starters plus Isaac in and just said, look, we have six starters. We are lucky. Um, and I can only start five at a time. So um, whether Isaac was going to start games, which he has, um, when we've, when Zyle was on his mm -hmm. trip to UNLV or um, Jaden was sick, um, he's been able to step in seamlessly. Um, Isaac is very unique. He's a sixth man of the year, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, to be able to have that scoring punch off the bench, I think he's really bought into it. And it doesn't work unless the kids buy in. Right. So I give them all the credit for that. What's been the biggest surprise for you this season about this team? Well, staying together. Um, when I took the job, I had heard stories just you know, so much talent, um, but they, they fight with each other. You know, they mm -hmm. fall apart um, down the stretch. And I experienced it in my first two years. Um, so for me to be able to see us kind of stay the course, mm -hmm. uh, even when we had adversity, uh, and we had our moments of, of uh, having struggles, but 
for the most part, we're just staying consistent and staying with each other. Mm-hmm. Has, you know, every coach will, can preach from kind of the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. Who have been some of the guys that have really taken on that leadership role to convince people to buy into your philosophy from within? You know, it seems like a lot of coaches say that's so important to have kids that are, are willing to lead themselves. Uh, first and foremost, Tyler Ricketts is the heartbeat of our team. Um, he keeps it all together. He's consistent every day. Um, he is our emotional leader. Um, he will not show up in the stat lines, but he is so important to our team. He might be the most important guy to our team from that standpoint. Um, I think of other guys like uh, Kiefer Lopez. He's um, a four-year basketball player, first year on varsity, and he doesn't play a ton, but he's a great practice player. He's a great teammate. And it's guys like that that you want to play with and play for. Mm-hmm. You guys are ranked fifth in the RPI as it stands now, and that's obviously very fluid. But, you know, if the season ended today and you guys were able to make it through by districts, this team would be making its first trip to the Dome since 2006. Is that something you guys think about or are aware of on a daily basis? Or is are you just trying not to get too far ahead and, and look at those things? I try to not let the kids get too far ahead. That's the ultimate goal, though. I mean, they all want that, um, and I want that for them. Um, But as far as the particulars and the math and how you get there and what route, um, I'm trying to take all all of that Mm -hmm. um, and just tell them what they need to know at the time. Right. What you've coached in Oregon, you've seen kind of how Oregon runs its things, and you see how the RPI works in Washington. Is there? Any major differences or, or, you know, I've seen it by covering Rainier and Klatsk and I when I was up Mm -hmm. north, but are there any major differences that maybe, you know, Washington fans might not be aware of? Yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty straightforward in Oregon. I mean, there's less teams, so it makes it a little easier, but they use the RPI uh, and it's the top 32 are seeded out and they play in a tournament. Mm Mm-hmm and it's one and done. So it's pretty straightforward. And if you make the final eight, that's when they go to one site and it's a two loss Mm -hmm. um, elimination. This in Washington is uh, a bit convoluted, but uh, you know, I'm learning through it and Last year, I had a, a full year to take off and kind of figure it out. Right. The the by district tournament in the past has not been super friendly for GSHL teams at the 3A level. The last couple of years, however, has had a massive change with Prairie and Kelso winning each of the past two years. Mm-hmm. Does that give you a lot of excitement going into that tournament with some of the teams up north, knowing that, that the league has the last couple of years fared really well? Yeah, I mean, I, those teams were really good. Um, and for us, the biggest thing, though, was do we get the home playoff game? Mm-hmm. And as being the number one team, we also get uh, a bye. So for me, it was more about let's just get in a good position mm-hmm. and then see where we're at. Right. So uh, I'm excited to see how we match up with the rest of the right. state. Reclassification is a, is a long, you know, things are starting to get decided, but, you know, it's still a long ways away from figuring out all the details. What's the kind of thought for your guys' program? Is that something you are looking ahead to, or is it just we'll deal with it when it comes to it? Um, I'm paying attention to it very closely because of scheduling purposes. Um, how many non-league games are we going to get, um, and how do we fit that into the 
the big picture, uh, especially with the RPI, mm -hmm. you know, it really matters. Um, I think with some of the other sports, it might be a little more straightforward, but the RPI is that added wrinkle. Mm -hmm. Is you know, let's say you only have four non-league games, which in theory is a is a likelihood. Mm -hmm. um, how tough is it to not have as much autonomy in, in figuring out, you know, your own schedule? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I mean, we already played the 4A anyway. Mm -hmm. I've. I just like doing right. that. Um, so that won't change much. But for me, it's when do I plan those four games? Mm -hmm. Do I get a couple in early before league play starts? Do I save it for a winter tournament? Mm -hmm. I don't like the idea of my first game of the season being a league game. Um, so I got to play around with that. But for now, my focus is just uh, getting to the dome. Right, right. Um, you know, the, the one thing I like to ask um, coaches about is there's this kind of thought process around kids these days, you know, and, and maybe a different mentality that they bring to the table than 30 years in the past. Mm -hmm. What would you say are, are the positives of, of kids these days or, or how are they different and, and why that might be a good thing? Or, or you know, maybe there are some negatives to it. Uh, kids are kids. I mean, it, not much changes. There's a little bit of a change in the attention to detail or um, maybe how long you can keep their attention. But at the end of the day, they just want you to tell them the truth. They just want to know that you care. Uh, and the rest, it's all just technology changes. That's really <laughs> it. Uh, but kids are kids. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to young coaches, um, you know, looking to get into high school basketball? What what main piece of advice would you give them? Take your time before you become a head coach. I would strongly suggest, um, you know, finding an inroad somewhere and learning under a coach. Um, maybe spend a few years at one place, and then um, if you feel like you want to take a next step, learn under another coach. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no rush, and uh, you're never going to be ready if you jump right into it. Right. So uh, learning from a lot of different people. Right, right on. That's yeah. all I had for you, Brett. I all appreciate right. you coming on the podcast, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing how you do in the postseason. All right, thank you. And now we talk with Evergreen senior Zyle Griffin, who signed with UNLV to play football this morning and what that means for him and kind of his realization of a dream he's had since he was a kid. All right, here at Evergreen High School with um, football standout Zyel Griffin, who recently announced his commitment to UNLV to play football there. You signed tomorrow. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling great, pumped, you know, excited to get this over with, you know, recruiting, getting done with, ready to sign to my new home. Has that been a, a stressful process for you to, to have to kind of go through that? I know every every athlete is a little bit different and responds to it mm -hmm. a little bit differently. Um, I mean, it's not it wasn't too bad, but like it was pretty stressful just not knowing where I'm going to, going to be able to go and stuff like that. But I mean, it wasn't too bad at the end of the day. Uh, once I got to UNLV, I pretty much knew where I wanted to be. So it was like, okay, this is less stressful for me, you know. What attracted you to UNLV? Um, the coaches, for sure. All the coaches showed a lot of love just over through text. So like you could see that, you could see it through text. So uh, being able to put the faces to names and stuff like that, I felt like was a big part of that too. What have they said about about your role there or your your potential role right off the bat? Well, Coach Royal, he's uh, like you said, he's big with playing uh, freshmen. So he, they said I'll be able to play as long as I'm going to be able to do me. You know, just come out, make plays, big time, mm -hmm. put big time plays, and 
Yeah. Have they? They're they're looking at you as a wide receiver, right? Yes, sir. Um, what what's that been like? I know some some places have listed you as an athlete. Has that been a process with coaches to to try to kind of say, hey, I want to play wide receiver? Or? Um, no, not really. I've really been recruited as a wide receiver mm-hmm. the whole time. So, um, they're pretty much already. That's where all the coaches have been looking looking at me. Mm-hmm. At, so. Is there a potential to play some some ret- in the return game as well? Um, like kick return? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm most definitely gonna try to get on that. Most definitely. <laughs> what, yeah. what 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 uh, about uh, kick return? We've seen some of your your big returns, either either interceptions or, or mm-hmm. kickoffs or punts. What about the return game is so exciting for you? Um, being able to just do me one on one with pretty much the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's me and the ball, and then I get a whole bunch of open space to do what I want. I think that's just great. Just mm-hmm. being able to pretty much do me. It's mm-hmm. like it's me and them. Every athlete kind of dreams of, of playing at the D1 level. What, yeah. What's this journey been like for you? Did, did Was there ever a moment uh, that clicked in like, hey, I can I can do that or or that, that realization of that dream? Um, probably around this time last year is when 7-on-7 seven seven started, when I played for We The Best. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when the recruiting actually started to pick up, and that's when it got really real. Mm-hmm. I had schools coming, to the, uh, coming here to Evergreen. Mm-hmm. I was taking visits, visits and stuff like that, so that's when it really like, all clicked in. And then I, I got my first offer, and it was like, all right, yeah, this is real. Right. What What was it like growing up? You know, kind of dreaming of this thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how does it stack up to what you envisioned? Honestly, I keep saying this thing where I say it's really real. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just keep saying that. It's because like it's really real. Like I don't know how to. It's just like no other words to say. But like it's really real because mm-hmm. it's really real. <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah. Right on. That. Yeah. It's It's really cool to to see you, you be able to play at that next level. Mm-hmm. UNLV's has a brand new stadium mm-hmm. coming in. What do you think of that that stadium? Um, I think it's going to be great. Uh, I've never played it under like under a dome or anything like that. Um, obviously played on turf, but um, I don't know. I think it's just going to be a big atmosphere, a lot of fan love. I could feel it on Twitter, stuff like that. So the first game, first home game, I feel like it's going to go crazy. Right. I know some of your teammates are signing places as well. It seems like you guys helped kind of set the set a new standard for Evergreen football. What was this past year like playing with some of these guys that are all going to go on and, and play collegiately? Um, we pretty much already knew each other. So, like, we already kind of had our bonds. And then when the new coaching staff came in, I feel like that helped too because they all had their connections and stuff like that. They had their, uh, their uh, backgrounds and their roles that they've played and stuff like that. So I think that was also a big part of us in general, like us kids uh, that go to Evergreen. How exciting is it to kind of leave that imprint as, as a group together on, on Evergreen I sports? think it's big because we all started, like I said, we all started from like, our, or at least a couple of us, we started from our freshman year. And then now, going, now we're signing together on signing day. Mm-hmm. So I think that's big. I think that's really big. Right. There, there doesn't seem to be a, a, a whole lot of that anymore where a whole group gets to stay together with so many transfers going on. Yeah. Does that make it more special that you guys all kind of mm-hmm. were in it together exactly. from the start? Yeah. A couple of me and my – there's like four of us that have been here for pretty much all four years, and we're like – we see every we see each other every day, and we're like signing day. It's crazy because it's like we grew up – we pretty much grew up together, I guess you could say. And being able to – like this is big. Like So being able to sign to your next four years is like – especially with the people that you came that you grew up with like from your next four years you don't always get to do that you know mm-hmm. like like you said people transfer every day what do you hope to accomplish in your in mm-hmm. your collegiate career um uh pretty much just make big plays do whatever i can to help the team win honestly turn turn uh unlv around because as you can see it wasn't like the best uh they didn't have the best records and stuff like that so if we could do that for our, at least our first years get a good record like we don't have to win no champions 
championships and stuff like that the first year, but at least get a winning season and pretty much just progress from there. It's got to be fun to, to be moving to Vegas as well. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I've never uh, lived, like, so far from home. I've always – and another thing is crazy because I, like, when my when I first started recruiting and stuff like that, I wanted to stay home. And then when I got to Vegas, it was like, this is home. Right. <laughs> you know, so, like, being that far from home, I feel like it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Any shout-outs you want to give to people who have helped you along the way? Uh, most definitely want to shout-out to Coach Swain. Um all the other coaches on the coaching staff a lot of the we had, we the best staff I want to thank my parents and stuff like that as well right on well I, I appreciate you, you coming on and uh, you know congratulations on the signing thank you thank you All right, that's going to do it for episode 24 of the Full Circle Podcast. Make sure to follow all of our content at 360preps.com. We are also on social media. I am at JTHeart23 on Twitter. Meg is at Meg Wachnick. We are on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at 360preps. Uh, so follow us there for all of our content. We're going to have a lot of content heading into this postseason. Um, that's where you find it all. So uh, we look forward to, to hearing from you again, and, and we'll be back next week. If you can't dream big, ridiculous dreams, what's the point in dreaming at all? Ronda Rousey.